This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Paisano's Pizza. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 62. In this episode, welcome Peter Alice. Peter played Mario, the counterperson at Pisano's in the classic season seven Seinfeld episode, The Calzone. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Episode 62, Peter Alice. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 62. Today we welcome a veteran star of TV and film. You know him from The Sopranos, The Blacklist, Whitey, and of course he played Mario, the counterperson at Pisano's in the classic season seven Seinfeld episode, The Calzone. Please welcome Peter Alice. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah. Peter, welcome to the show. This is, uh, this is a treat. So we were talking off air quick. Usually I like to say, take us back to uh, 1996, how the whole how the whole process went about. But uh, I know you were you were a working actor for, I'd say, what, about 10 years? And you did mention that you you did play a part in Hunter. So tell us a little bit about Hunter, and then uh, let's just jump into Seinfeld. Um, so we're going to torture the Seinfeld fans first. Uh, no, later in, my, later in my career, you know, I played a lot of character parts and Every now and then, give him a chance to do a lot of comedy. But, you know, always playing a bad guy when you have dark hair, you know, and this kind of voice. And I was lucky enough to get cast in uh, yet another return of Hunter. It was called Hunter the Return. Um, for, uh, I think it was ABC. I forget which network it was. But anyway, as long as they're not sponsoring you, who cares which network it was? But uh, and it was with Fred Dreyer. It was great. And I played kind of a Joey Pesci, kind of sleazy bookie at the racetrack. Um, who was the main guy behind a murder with a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity to live all the way down by, um, you know, where uh, Del Mar is, where the surf meets the turf. And so uh, I'm a bit of a, you know, gambling kind of man. That was fun. And this home that we shot it at looked exactly like Del Mar. So a double for Del Mar. And I thought, there's money, and then there's money. <laughs> and this guy on this property have money. And I, I was kind of a goofy character that I'm involved with that Hunter pulls me over to bring a little levity to his show, but it didn't, uh, it didn't really fly the new version of it. <laughs> so wait, that, so when was, that was, uh, what year was the return of Hunter? Jeez, I want to say 2004 or six, my memory. My oh, memory, wow. All right. You know, around there, around there. There was so, so many, I did, I did also another, I did a series, I'm a recurring king on television. Never the never the main star, but always the recurring king. It's because I work cheap, I guess. So, <laughs> well, I was well, on Hammer too with Stacy Keach for a long time. Uh, so many oh, yeah. Shows. yeah, Sopranos, you know, of course. Sopranos, yeah, but for sure. But listen, I think where you did shine, and and that's why you're on the program is is the Calzone back in '96. So yeah, tell us tell us how that came about. Was it an audition? Did they seek you out? Give us a little background there. 
Yeah, well, a couple, a couple of things. First off, uh, I had a great agent at the time. Her name was Gwen Pepper, who was really a big uh, believer in me. And um, she was pushing for me. She always knew I was funny. And um, gave the opportunity to get in. She goes, I got this thing for you. And I said, oh, great. Another Italian. What a shocker. <laughs> and I, I didn't really watch this show. When I was a little kid, my parents were illegally sneaking me in to catch a rising star and uh, the comic strip and improv. And I would see these guys like Jerry Seinfeld and them when they were first starting out. And um, a funny side story, Ray Romano was my baseball coach in Forest Hills, New York, by the way. Oh, when wow. He was, he was just first doing stand-up, just trying. So anyway, um, I guess audition. I go to uh, MTM Studios at the time, Mary Tyler Moore Studios. And I go in there and I'm, I'm kind of a real nuts and bolts, pragmatic kind of actor. Believe a lot of realism. And uh, ironically enough, I went to cooking school in Italy. So I was a chef. So I bring my apron with me and I pull, you know, a little red sauce on my apron and I walk in the room and I'm thinking with all these great name actors they've got. And I knew a couple older actors. I won't mention their names. It's not a nice thing. But I thought, oh, this guy's going to get it. Why? What's the point of me being here? Right. But it was um, Meg Lieberman, Mark Hirschfeld. And Mary Sugarman that, that brought me in, they were so kind, they were one of the cast at the time. And uh, they clearly thought I was funny. And I went and did my thing and uh, did, a, did a little, uh, you know, what I do best, cook. The cook <laughs> stuff, I was, playing a, I was playing a guy that's busy cooking and was interrupted. And I think it just struck a chord in my, we call it uh, in my teaching, because I'm also a teacher, the Abbot to their Costello. And I know you know the great Abbot and Costello football right. skit. I think, you know, when you know they're the funny guy, you got to play the straight guy and you got to play it dead serious. Did you use the accent in the audition that you end up kind of using on the, on the show? I did. I did. I walked in with the accent. I'm, I'm not. That's I'm your thing. I mean, you got, you're, you're, that's one of the things you're, uh, I mean, even the Sopranos, I don't know if that was really you talking Italian or if that's just the accent. Yeah, it was. Okay. So that's. Seven languages. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. But I, but again, living in Italy. So I learned uh, proper Italian. And then uh, Sopranos is different. I'll tell you that story in a second. But sure. the Seinfeld thing is interesting because when I got the gig, you know, they only knew afterwards I didn't speak Italian because I never broke in the room. That's my oh, thing. Wow. If, you know, I figured the, I figured casting has told them or maybe someone saw me on something else. And if they didn't, even better. Let them go. That's the guy. But I, 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 I teach, you know, I run a studio. It's called ZA Studios. And uh, with my partner, Robert Zimmerman, and the thing that Bob we Dylan? always talk yeah, great. I, I had to say, his name's Robert Zimmerman as well. And, um, and we talk a lot about the fact that uh, being real, and there's a moment where you get the job. I don't think that, I think there's many great actors. Look, there's many great athletes. There's a moment you remember in their careers, a great catch or something like that, you know? And um, I think it's just as a moment, like I said, doing the thing with the apron and, and being real and, they were kind of, Jerry was doing a little bit of improv in the room because he was in the room there, but none of the actors were. So the producers and the director. And uh, I think that's what it got me that was just playing that I got a kitchen, I'm doing my thing moment and not playing the joke. And um, I think it's always gotten me, gotten me the job along the way when it's been the right gig. But they were smart enough to see the comedy after a nine year drought or no, seven year drought. Yeah, no, it's funny. We just uh, we just had on Pat Cronin, who played Sid Farkas, and he had an eerily similar story. He said, 
all these stars were lined up for his role, comedians that would, you know, knock their socks off. But the way he approached a role, spot on just what you said, like you played the part in a more serious role, but with the accent and actually were like, were the, was the chef that they really caught their attention. So that's just, that's a testament to you. And I think it's a testament to the show, right? Like they knew you would fit in even if you were serious in, in a way, but the way you played off with George and Kramer is just incredible. You know, they're smart enough. The casting was smart enough and the show, Larry, David, and all of them are smart enough to know to get the best actors around to support, uh, which takes, by the way, I think, which is great on their part, putting the ego aside. I think right. you need ego to succeed, but just like, again, the great athletes, you got to say, okay, I, I need great supporting team to make it even better. And they were just so generous in giving. The funny story I had for you was that the offstage voice that I'm yelling yeah. to was Mario, was a guy I was playing basketball with at the Y, who I knew for several years, Randy, who was their stage manager. So I had that, <laughs> as Bill Murray says in Caddyshack, so I had that going for me, which is <laughs> nice. And then, and then, um, you know, uh, one of my buddies, uh, Larry Thomas, had done the soup Nazi thing, and I kind of watched it a little bit to get a sense of it. But I wasn't this big Seinfeld crate. I grew up in New York. I'm like, this is like, like are my family and friends. I don't need to see this. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know you were. Yeah, you were on season seven. So at that point, it was. It, it was, was already David's, a juggernaut, yeah. Larry David's last show. His last show. It was last show taped? Yep. Oh, wow. What happened there? Because it wasn't the last show that aired. So that's interesting. How did that, uh, what that like, was it like on the set? It was time to go. Well, he was, he was terrific. He was around. I mean, he might have visited, I think, a few of them, but he was, from what I understand, he was like already off before the season was even done. And, um, and he was actively involved and, um, you know, he's one of these guys, like I work with David Chase, another one that's very specific about the lines. But I was, I was blessed. One of my other fun stories is I was a young, uh, overachieving guy that was ahead of myself in school. So I was able to go a year ahead and I was in college at a younger age. And as a freshman, I was at Boston University with a guy named Jason Alexander. Oh, so wow. that was a nice treat. And um, I hadn't seen Jason in years, so that was nice working with him. And uh, and then uh, for some reason, I really got along with everybody there. They were so giving and nice and warm, and particularly, um, uh, you know, um, going blank now, Michael Richards. Yeah. And apparently, they said he doesn't necessarily do this, but we really buddied up, and he wanted to rehearse, and I love to rehearse. And he wanted to rehearse and rehearse. And he'd go, listen, I want to, I said, hey man, your show, you're the man. Let's just do whatever you want to do. Right. And what's great about it was the last moment was in many ways, and this is like sacrilegious. Can I do the, the Jewish star and the cross at the same time? <laughs> um, uh, it was a bit improvish and then it was put together and then carved. But I get the feeling that's what they do a lot. You know, I'm not there weekly. They improvise and they carve it and put it back in. And oh, I was, so all your back and forth with him was kind of shot up in different parts. Oh, me being Italian and him winging it with the thing. pennies. And then yeah, yeah. my favorite too, when he kicks his feet up on the counter <laughs> yeah. and I'm going crazy and stuff. What about when you pull the pizza paddle out on George? Was that uh, improv? You go after him? I wish the, it uh... was, but that was the genius of Larry, David, 
and uh, you know the whole show. I mean, that's just what can I tell you? Those these guys. Right. I mean, day one, day one. I'm here. I am working as an actor, and then day one, I get there. We do a table read, and they go, you "Want to rehearse?" They go, "Isn't it opening baseball?" We're good, right? And I'm going, "I'd like to rehearse." <laughs> but you know, like you said, season seven, they're a well-oiled machine. Right. Yeah, and and Peter, you said you're a New York guy, and I don't know, like that set, Paisan, it felt. It felt like a New York City pizza place. Yeah, George says Jerome. He's going to go out on Jerome Avenue. Get a different Jerome Avenue versus yeah. versus like the soup Nazi. That kind of felt a little like I don't know. It didn't feel as New York as as Paisans and yours. It was just so authentic. You gotta um, be careful when I go to the Bronx. I don't know if you're a Yankee or Met fan, but I go up to the Bronx. There is a Paisanos up there. I went in once, and the guys doing this, uh, you know, looking at me like, "Come on in, come on in. I want pictures." And then I was directing a show a couple of years back in New York. So I go back in in the Bronx and I found this, it's on Arthur Avenue, this real old Italian neighborhood. And yeah. of course, you know, New Yorkers, unlike the rest of the world, they'll just grab you and go, you know, you, 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 you're so-and-so, you know. And it's great. I mean, I think it's great. They're very expressive. They're, they're very warm. Nothing ever crazy. But the only, the only bad thing I had once was I was supposed to do an appearance in New York. This was, I think, I want to say it was two years back, and there was a power outage blackout. I was stuck in the subway, and I couldn't get to Brooklyn. So all the theater was shut down and everything. So at least I had a fun weekend in New York. Oh, uh, the blackout. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was like 04. I, I remember it. I got. This was recent. There was a. Oh, a more recent one? Oh, yeah. It was like two years ago. Broadway completely was shut down uh, and everything. Games were shut down. It was like the one evening. But it was my luck. That was not the appearance. <laughs> I popped into some yogurt guy's place and he had a heart attack. And he's calling everybody with like flashlights. Come on in, the Calzone guy's here. So that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, you you kind of beat us to the punch with uh, David Chase and Larry David. You you were on uh, Sopranos last year, essentially, right? Yeah. And uh, and Larry David's last year. So it's funny we're we always trying to get a feel like uh you know andy ackerman i knew was the director yeah. um, alec, you know, berg. alec berg wrote the episode like so yeah tell us a little bit like on set like is it larry david show or like how involved are ackerman and, and some of the writers and even jerry for that matter well I, I didn't work a lot with jerry you know and i would stick around and kind of watch what he was doing clearly i mean why not god forbid i shouldn't learn something from a guy who's had a very successful show. Uh, it'll be crazy. To, I mean, they're all, they were all great. I particularly thought Judy Louis-Dreyfus was incredible. I mean, just have to yeah. deal with all that male energy all the time and go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but again, they, they each had their specialty. And I, I got to talk to Wayne Knight. And I thought he was terrific, you know? And all the peripheral people, it's... I think it's a team effort, but ultimately, like anything else, you know, you need a captain to run the ship. And I think as great as all the directors were, and they were very good directors on that show. Um, you know, Larry here, and I'm, and I'm guessing Jerry neck and neck with him because of their history. Right. So they probably go back into the room and then when they just, they do their jobs on the front because you would never know there's a control issue. If there was one, I never saw anything like that. Right. It was complete flow. But if Larry spoke, it's like the old E.F. Hutton commercial, you know? If E.F. Hutton speaks, we listen, and there we go. Yeah, okay, Larry, let's do it, you know? Was there any type of 
I don't know, fanfare with him. It was his last time on, was his literally his last time on set, do you know, as far as that goes? No, that party or anything like that, or was it just kind of low key knowing them? No, that's what I was told. So, you know, and he seems probably like the kind of guy that doesn't want the whole right. That's yeah, that's a good point. He probably wrote a whole, uh, I'm guessing, Curb Your Enthusiasm probably episode about not wanting fanfare and someone probably throws a big party for him. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. He's working. The, um, he's working though. He's not. It's not like he's sitting there and it's all. When I say play, it's play work. But he's working. He's a craftsman, in my opinion. So is David Chase. There's a reason why there's a ah uh, and a the and don't do this and do this. They're studied at what they really know that has been successful. And I think you're an idiot not to listen if right. they tell you don't add that, add that. Oh, we like when you did that. So how much, you said you weren't a big Seinfeld fan. Uh, obviously, this is season seven, you know, the peaking ratings all the time. I, so, yeah. So how much, how much homework did you do, A, before you're on, no, zero, all right. But I mean, but the way you, like, like you said, with the pizza thing with George and then like getting Kramer's face, it was, it was as if you, you know, knew these guys intimately. Well, here's the deal. I mean, uh, I had done the show Perfect Strangers. That was my first big shot. Oh, yeah. yeah, Tony's Tony's a big Balky I, guy. I was a big Balky guy, yeah. It's uh, a cool story with that. That wasn't an audition. It was something I kind of crashed to get into and got the audition. Um, and I never broke the accent on that one. But, um, you know, I, I felt I did comedy. I did improv comedy. I did stand-up at Boston University as well and, and bouncing around with that. I tried everything. I was mainly a director that then became an actor. Uh, the dream was to be a star center for the Knicks because I was <laughs> 5'11 at 12 years old, but something happened. It's called uh, no jump shots. So <laughs> and uh, so I think it's just doing the work. And I, I just loved comedy. I knew comedy and I knew at least that these guys were big time guys, but my idols were Robin Williams, Dick Van Dyke, um, uh, Jonathan Winters, uh, I was a little kid, Jackie Gleason. Um, and so it wasn't like I was unfamiliar with comedy and what my role was, but I did, I'm lying a little bit. I did peak as, as you know, Lisa Pesha was on. So I yeah. watched a couple of hers and I watched Larry's episode and go, okay, I get it. I get it now. Cause that's one of my things. If we're doing a show, watch the style, watch what it's about before you get on. But I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh my God, my friends went nuts. Right. They were like, it was like Yankee tickets. I couldn't get, couldn't get in. I'm like, sorry, guys, I got four. <laughs> well, you feel like a glove. I mean, you had two, you know, two, two iconic scenes with both, as you mentioned, with Kramer, with the foot, all that stuff. And George, when you, you know, the missing tip is always a great one, you know. Um, but uh, I did want to ask, because it would be remiss if, because you're, you know, there, there is some Soprano Seinfeld crossover, but um, you're the first one we've actually got to talk to who's in both and you've mentioned uh, Chase a lot, but how did the Sopranos come about? Was that, you know, I've heard a lot. I watched that Sopranos podcast with um, Porioli and, um, and uh, Sharipa and they, they, they always say that, you know, that the casting is really big on that one too, like George Ann Walken or yeah. know, you got that gig. Yeah. George Ann. I have to thank George Ann for that one. I was very blessed. It's kind of interesting story. That one, <laughs> you're picking all the good ones. That's why not the, <laughs> not the boring stories. Um, I, I was doing General Hospital at one point, and I was brought in for the role of Furio. And um, oh, wow, okay. I, think, I think that that's because of Seinfeld. I think when you do something and you deliver something, they go, 
oh, he's Italian, or oh, he's Jewish, or oh, he's from Boston. They don't know. They don't know you're, you're called an actor for a reason. Right, exactly, yeah. Not everybody can do it, but th this is my specialty. I'm, I'm, you know, I speak many languages, and um, I grew up in a building in Forest Hills, Queens, with another guy you might have heard of, and we'd sit in the lobby all day and imitate uh, half of our building that came from Eastern Europe, and that guy's name was Hank Azaria. So oh, nice from uh, yeah, ah, Simpsons. So all we would do was improvise and do accents. But anyway, so I think that they knew I could do an accent, and you know, I I had worked. I was I was a work known working actor. I'd done some films in Europe and everything, and they said this guy's got a European flair to him, and uh, and unfortunately Chase flipped out over me. But, and mine was a very goofy kind of dangerous fortio. And then ABC wouldn't release me. And Chase couldn't change his dates. And listen, they got, they got a fantastic actor. He was, Federico was wonderful and, and he fit the style. And I was really blessed that Georgianne and Chase remembered me a few years later and uh, they called me in. And it was funny because they didn't know if I could do Neapolitan, but because I had done different accent first for them. I did a Sicilian dialect. I speak to Sicilian a little bit and Neapolitan and the Neapolitan I had to learn literally that day in New York. I went to Little Italy, told this lady in this little shop that I, I lied. I was, I was a writer, journalist discussing languages. So she taught me Neapolitan. I went back the next day, perfect Neapolitan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but again, these guys are just like Seinfeld. They're, it's a great analogy because Seinfeld is the humorous version and Sopranos is the dramatic version of like, I think a marker in television. And I've been course, blessed yeah. to have both. Yeah, we agree. I think Agreed. We, we put them in our, you know, top five TV shows of all time, whether it's comedy or drama. I, I you agree. Double pay for this thing because I'm doing Sopranos and Seinfeld. <laughs> We're sending this clip to uh, to talking Sopranos. We're trying to get Sharif on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, two just remarkable shows. I think both two shows that you know, didn't run its course. They kind of went out on top. Uh, and you got to respect that, right? Going yeah. with a, going with the sports analogy. Um, anyway, uh, was it, uh, so tell us a little bit. So the Seinfeld set, like Soprano set, Seinfeld set, how, how long kind of was it? Was it a week, a two week taping? Like, were you there watching? You said you were kind of soaking it all in, watching the Jerry stuff. Uh, Newman obviously was a part of that show. Tell us a little, any, any behind the scenes stories you can share? Well, yeah, I, I, a couple of one, but the, the main one is, first of all, you should know, is about other podcasts. Season seven, again, they're a well-oiled machine shot towards the end of the season. I think we aired April 25th, I think was the air date. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it was pretty quick air date. We shot it and, nice. and, then, and done. Yeah, it was like 25th anniversary. Hey, you got me a month later or whatever, the 20th anniversary. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you come in, you do your reading, and sometimes you usually do a little bit of work, but these guys, you know, like I said, they, 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 it was a machine. And I think, I like to believe they trusted that I was delivering what they wanted. Day two, you do a lot of work, because that's when they're really carving it back up again and taking a look and going, do we need this, do we not need this? And, you know, they gave me a nice size part. I was blessed. It could have been something thrown away, but it was a very memorable thing. I know, TV Guide gave me a nice write-up as like one of the top, I think, 20 or 10 best episodes. And like I said, I think Alec Berg, terrific writing of really creating that. And, um, and then uh, watching each guy do their style. I, 
in my opinion, they're all different, but you can't see. It's seamless. You know, like I tell everybody, watch The Godfather. Three different teachers and styles of acting. It's seamless. Mm. You know, great acting is great acting. And um, and these guys, sure. and it was the best part is I'm gluten free, so they had like all these great gluten free food for me, and I feel like I gained pounds doing the show over there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they always they always talk about the spread. Did you yeah, go we've to been the, here in uh, their sets? One of the best sets ever. Wait, no, the delivery of the food too. I'm like, you know, I'm getting delivered food too. Nice salads and things. I'm, I'm hey, must see TV. So, Peter, did did you go to the rap party end of the year? I did not. I was working, so I wasn't able to go, unfortunately. Ah, I heard those are good too. Is it too late? <laughs> <laughs> did you? You said you went to. So in college, were you were you friends with Jason? I mean, was this kind of like a reunion when you saw? That's him my on funny set? story. See, now yeah. you, you stole my story. No, okay. <laughs> um, so, and what's funny was he didn't remember at first. So I was an athlete, right? And freshman year, I decided that. No, we're going to have like a really good softball team and stuff like that in the theater school. <laughs> and he was my center fielder, although he vaguely remembered that. And I had to like recollect him for a couple of games, what he did. <laughs> but uh, he was seems quick footed to be playing center. He must have moved, uh, you know. Oh, he was fast. Gained some ground. Yeah. He was I know fast. he's quick at his feet with the dance moves and stuff. And you know he's got he's got like a broad shoulder, compact body. So he could really swing. He was good. Well, yeah. I mean, he he plowed over Bet Midler in uh, in a side <laughs> episode. So he must have got that from you, Peter. I'm guessing. No, I, I'm the plowing thing. No, I, I'm a gunman, as you could tell from Sopranos. I'm not the plowing guy. But um, yeah, so that was that was a fun little surprise. And uh, uh, and then I think, like I said, the fact that it was. The end of Larry was a nice surprise. So I feel like I really got like the golden era, if you will, you know, of that time. You know, because you watch these shows, I watch them nowadays, and I'm like, after a season, I'm going, I don't know what they really got left, all these shows on Netflix and all of them, because I think the writing has gotten thinner. But I was blessed, man. What great writers. And it's all in the writing. It really yeah. is. God yeah. Sopranos, too. That's, that's their MO is the writing. I mean... Yeah, I think yeah, both both shows. Jerry describes it as um, kind of homemade, right? So it's just it's like a small knit group, right? Whether it's Larry on, on Larry with Seinfeld, David with uh, Sopranos, and then you have like obviously the iconic stars that kind of anchor everything, and then they let the guest star shine, which which happened certainly with you. Um, well, that's the generosity. Besides yeah. Jason, besides Jason, who again knew me and I think was giving me that. But then later, like I said, Michael Richards, I forever am grateful to all of them. And so was my daughter for helping to pay for education. <laughs> this <laughs> was money, but, but no, seriously, it was just, there's certain things, you know, you look in a time capsule, that's one of them. Well, yeah, that's, so 96. So I'm here, right? And that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that was our senior of high school. I mean, you know, I know you guys like sports. This is why I hate when athletes don't take the time to sign an autograph of anything because the way I look at it, it's like I, I, I'm one of the fortunate people. Some people are on series regulars and you don't even remember them. But look at look at this show. Look, like I said, we're here. You guys even have a show about it. So you guys too have something going on, which is really special. Yeah. So how did it, so April 96, it aired. How did it kind of 
change your life, if any. Yeah, you know, money. I, I know residuals come, but did it, did it help get a lot of jobs, recognition? Yeah, it did. I think that the first thing is that no one knew I was funny, and I'm like, apparently they didn't remember 1989, and even then, I also did in '91 in Sino Man. Sino Man, yeah. Playing the we saw it on the theater. Me and O'Hara saw the theaters together, I believe. Didn't you go to the scene, Sino Man, with me in the theaters? Yeah. Nah, sure. yeah. Too young no, I swear to God, we saw that at the theaters together. But that was the, only nine, no, it was 93. 91. And Sino Man, 92. Right the, well, you might have shot it. I think it, it came out in 92, but it's probably 91. Yeah, yeah, 92 yeah. came out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but the funny thing is, before that, I played, I had a really dramatic movie, the Oliver Stone movie called Iron Maze, playing a tough cop. And I did an HBO movie with another. BU alum Julianne Moore and Fred Ward called Cast a Deadly Spell. It's kind of like a, uh, a um, you know, a cult classic on Halloween, spoof kind of thing, film noir. But you know, I'm always hungering for the comedy. And my teacher always told me, you know, keep putting danger and humor in your work. And I think that, you know, what like you didn't mention, one of them was recently MacGyver I just shot. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, unfortunately, because what a great group that was. And I'm, I'm sorry that CBS did not pick that up, but they gave me a great opportunity. Again, doing Italian, playing the Italian bad guy, but putting humor and danger in and made it a little more interesting. Yeah. And I think Seinfeld, again, I go back to it because it's the marker. It's always the marker, you know? And um, it's iconic. And I think that if I never act again, ever again, <laughs> it will always be down the street Oh my God! Oh my God, Calzone man! <laughs> Big Stein wants a Calzone. Oh, you know what? This they still got me. You know, it's like. <laughs> so I've always wondered this: when, when you know a lot of Steinbrenner in your episode is Larry David on set, or is that done post production with his voice, or is he there? Both. A little both. bit of both, but you do. He is there saying the lines in the yeah. background while it's I'm happening. The actor's name that that physically played Steinbrenner. And he was very good, but Larry there. Yeah, he was great. I mean, they were all great, honestly. It was, I know it sounds like I'm just saying a great party. Right, but right. Look, I was but, only there for a yeah. week, like I said. So, you know, Sopranos, I was there for two and a half weeks back again, and very different. Um, but man. But he would be there doing the lines, like on set sometimes, too. Yeah, sometimes. And when he's yeah. not there, Randy, I think the stage manager was kind of reading it the way Larry would do right, it. Right, and then just add, the yeah. style, so that was kind of fun, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I think that... Uh, I love their bloopers, though. Like, I loved watching them and make mistakes and have fun with it because, you know, being a younger actor still at that time, looking and going, uh, okay, so it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to play, you know? I mean, mm. we're not doing brain surgery, you know? Mm. We're not. Nah. And you know what's... What's great about that show is, you know, you talk about being so New York, but I think it's so relatable for even a coffee shop in, in Idaho, right? The tip jar, like getting that recognition. I think it was just- I Think about it, it all so the time. I think about that all the time. Every time I'm making sure that, they watch me, every time I put it in. Yeah, yeah, but do you have any idea what that does to me now? Every I know. Time I go to Starbucks <laughs> and that jar is glaring right, at me. Right. All I need is one person to go, uh, weren't you the calzone guy? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's all I need. So that's an interesting thing. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Peter, this is a, uh, hey, I know you're a big Knicks fan. It's halftime. So I want you to get back to the game. But, uh, <laughs> um, but who's your, who's your favorite Nick of all time? I'm thinking Bernard King. I'm trying to think. 
Well, King, listen, Bernard King was amazing. Uh, I knew Dave DeBusher through my uncle. He was amazing. Oh, wow. Uh, mine is a little known guy. I think you might've heard of him. Uh, my godfather insists he wasn't that good. I say you're wrong. He was the next to Michael Jordan heir, except for a little issue. His name was Michael Ray Richardson. Wow. And this guy was phenomenal, but drugs messed him up. And he went to Italy. And ironically enough, when I was in Italy, he was over in Italy playing oh, wow. a little bit. I wasn't playing at that time. And if you look at the old footage of him, he was amazing, Michael Ray Richardson. He was incredible. But, you know, uh, they got a pretty damn good coach right now. So I think they're going in the right direction. But I can't lie to you. I'm in Miami. How, how do I not like the heat down here? They'll kill me, right? <laughs> yeah, the sixth borough, right, down here? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, it's right next to the Boca Vista. You're all right. Guys. Thank you so much for Thank having me. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. Let me know when you do the Seinfeld podcast again or when you do Sopranos again or whatever you're going to be doing next. <laughs> Thanks so much, Peter. Thank no, you, Peter. This Thank was you awesome. Thank you so much. Thank Go you. next. Bye-bye. All right.